uh, is it Miss Iris? How are you? I'm good. How are I'm you? I'm so glad that you made it today. Why wouldn't you think I could make it? Uh, I just, you know, I'm just happy to see you. Uh, I'm you really glad that you're here. that your patients don't show up? Like, I can't commit to anything? I mean, I committed to this appointment. Uh, is, is there anything wrong? Or is there anything bothering you? No. Why would something be bothering me? Hold off right there. It seems like you're on the defensive about something. I'm not on the defensive about anything right now. Why? Do you think I have something to be defensive about? No. I don't have anything to be defensive about. Uh, well, okay. How about we try these glasses, and I think that these are really going to change your world. Change my world, huh? Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the well here at STSA, where we are in the middle of a series near the tail end, week four of a series called I thought it was just me, and what we're talking about is the subject that everyone knows about but nobody wants to speak about. We're talking about insecurities and the various insecurities that plague us all. And I started off this series by saying that we all struggle with insecurities, and all of us at times know what it feels like to be not enough. And that not enough or that never enough sometimes manifests itself in many different ways. And throughout this series, as I've been talking about the different insecurities, and I've been kind of saying, you know, how many people would struggle with this? For most of them, okay, all of the ones so far, I guess my, 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 my hypothesis is that most people would say, I can relate to that. That's kind of me. So when I said in week one, how many people know what it's like to feel like you're not enough? Not good enough, not smart enough, not whatever enough, not talented enough? Most people would say, yeah, I know exactly what that feels like. We wouldn't admit it, but we know what it feels like. Week two, we talked about comparison and how we compare and how we sometimes we're always looking to get to that land of er, where I would be not, not, I don't want, I'm not happy that I'm this smart, I want to be smarter. I'm happy that I'm rich, but I want to be richer. I'm happy that I have this job, or I'm happy that I'm spiritual, or I'm happy that my relationship, but I always want more of it. And most of us would say, yeah, you know what? I fall into that. I know what it's like to be comparing. Last week, we talked about control freak, and I convinced everyone here that we're all control freaks in some way, shape, or form or the other, and we're all control freaks. But this week, my hypothesis is different. This week, we're going to talk about being easily offended. And I bet, we're not going to do a show of hands, but I bet that if I said, how many people would say, you know what? I'm easily offended. I'm overly sensitive. I'm kind of whiny, okay? I kind of make a big deal out of nothing. You know what? I'm kind of one of those people that I'm overly sensitive. I'm overly, uh, uh, easily offended. I bet you if I asked that question, nobody would raise their hand. But then I bet you if I asked another question, if I said, how many people know someone who is all of those things? I bet you everyone's hand would go up. So I'm just doing the mathematics right here. Okay? We don't know that many people. Okay? Our circle is pretty limited. So if everybody thinks they're not easily offended, but everybody knows somebody who is easily offended, you put the math together and you try to figure it out. Here's the thing. With all of the insecurities, this week in particular, this week in particular, will be the greatest temptation to say, that's not me. This week of all the insecurities, this is the hardest one to see in the mirror and the easiest one to see out the window. Because when it comes to being offended, it is always someone else's fault. It is never I'm easily offended. It is always that guy's a jerk. Or it's always that guy's rude. Or it's always that she doesn't care. It is always the other person's fault as to why we are offended and it is never ourselves. It doesn't take much to look around and see that today we are professionals at being offended. It doesn't take much to offend us. 
we have become professionals at finding new and creative ways to be offended. We are offended if somebody looks at us wrong. We are offended if somebody cuts us off in traffic. We are offended if somebody goes in front of us that we let them in and they didn't wave hello or wave thank you when we let them in. We are offended if someone says happy birthday. We're offended if somebody doesn't say happy birthday. We're offended if somebody posts something on Facebook. We're offended if somebody doesn't post something on Facebook. Like we have found ways to be offended to make people embarrassed. The root of it is when it comes to our easily offended personalities, and I'm going to prove to you right now, I'm going to show you, I'm going to use myself as an example, but you all will see the same thing, is that it's never the other person's fault. The root of it is insecurity. It's never the other person's fault. It's not that the other person's overly offensive. It's that I'm easily offended. And it's always my insecurity that makes every little thing, somebody looked at me the wrong way, somebody didn't respond to my text in time, that makes every little thing World War III. Personal, me. As a priest, I'll give you a little bit of behind the scenes into the life of a priest. Where's every priest, every preacher, most vulnerable on a week-to-week -week basis? Give me a specific time. There's a five-minute period where every preacher is at his or her most vulnerable time of the week. You want to guess what that is? Five-minute period. The five minutes right after the sermon. The five minutes right after the preaching. Because here's what happens. When you do a good job, and nobody hits a home run every week, but of course you want to hit a home run every week. When you do a good job, and you preach a good message, and you finish, and you take the headset off, everyone wants to come and say, thank you so much, that was great. You really changed my life. Thank you so much for listening. You don't know how much. And we say, you know, okay, okay. But in the side, we're like, check, check, check. But when you give kind of a snoozer, and you give a ha-ha, and you stand there afterwards, okay, and you pretending that you're just doing something, but you're waiting for someone to greet you, what do people do when you gave a snoozer? Oh, have a nice week. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're human beings too. Back early on in my priesthood, okay, again, priest most vulnerable after preaching. I remember after I would preach sermons. As, as, as much as I say, like there's always people that you care more about than others. Okay, so with all due respect to all the people in this room, it was always my senior priest, okay, the one who chose me to be a priest. He was my boss. In case you always want to look good in front of your boss and someone that I admired and someone like a role model to me, it was always him that I cared about his approval more than other people's approval. So I remember. I would preach a sermon, okay, and I remember after the first one I preached, you know, and I'm like shaking like this as I'm coming back. I'm a little kid, you know what I mean? I, my knees knocking, I'm sweating up a storm. He would say, you know, good job, and God bless you. And not to do my homework, but that was a pretty good sermon, okay? Like I knew that, okay? And he's telling me, it's great, God bless you, and all this kind of stuff. And that was great, and that picked me up, and that's it. I don't need anyone else. And then the next time, you know, God bless you. And I said, but with time, okay, it wasn't as much fanfare after every sermon. And with time, you know, you were great. God bless you turned into, you know, good job. And uh, you know what? Uh, you know what I thought of? I wanted to remind you. And then the next time it would be, you know what? Uh, you know, just a good job or whatever. Like, and it started to get decreased, decreased. And now all of a sudden we're at the point where ever, sometimes he didn't even say anything. And of course, in my mind, and I'm outside, I'm not saying anything, but in my mind, I'm keeping track. I remember there was one Sunday in particular. I preached, and I knew I gave a stinker. Okay, you know when you give a stinker. You can tell, because I'm looking at your faces, and I see the yawns and the watches and the, you know what I mean? Like, I see all that stuff, okay? I see that stuff, all right? So please, keep it to yourselves, is what I'm saying. I gave a particularly a kind of a stinker, and I came in, I came out, okay, and I finished, and I looked, and he wasn't even listening. And he was talking to somebody else. This is wrong. 
I said, this is wrong. That's rude. That's everything that's wrong in the church. I am so offended. And I got home and I realized, why am I offended? Why am I offended? Am I offended because of him? Did my offense have anything to do with him? Who was I offended at? I was offended at myself. I was upset. I, was upset. I gave a stinker. And had I not given a stinker, I would have said his loss. But because I knew I gave a stinker, then I had to project my not feeling good about myself, my insecurity at somebody else. And I'm telling you that anytime you find yourself overly, offend, overly sensitive, easily offended, the truth is, nine out of ten times, it's not the other person, it's you. I'm not happy with myself. I don't think I did a good job. And I think that I, I feel bad about myself, but it'll always be easier to find someone else to be upset at than be upset at myself. It'll always be easier to just say, you're rude, or you're offensive, or you this and that, versus face myself in the mirror and say, you know what? I didn't prepare very hard this Sunday. I didn't do a good job. We use blame to discharge responsibility. We use blame to discharge accountability and responsibility, to project it onto others. So it's never, I'm difficult. It's never, I'm obnoxious. It's always, my friends don't care about me. It's never me. It's never, I'm a bad friend. It's never that I'm an obnoxious person. It's never, I'm rude. It's always, they don't care. They don't know how to be a friend. It's never, I show up to work late every single day. It's always, my boss is racist. In my world as a priest, let me tell you what I hear. I see people who don't want to come to church. People come into church Sunday morning. People don't want to come to church. I don't want to come to church. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to live a holy life. I don't, I don't want to do this. But it's always easier. It's hard to say that. I don't want to come to church. So you say, uh, the priest's fault. Uh, the priest didn't call me when I was going through a rough time. I was sick and the priest didn't call me. Okay. Did you call him? How is he supposed to know? You're, did you send him a text message, email? Like, how is he supposed to know you're sick? Did you know when he was sick? Did you call him when he was sick? Or is it just like a, just a one-way street? See, what I'm trying to say is we look for reasons to take the responsibility off ourselves and project it onto somebody else. Oh, it's their fault that the country's bad. It's their fault that things are tense at work. Oh, it's their fault that the kids are nuts. It's always their fault. We're easily offended and we'll never admit it. We'll never see this in the mirror. The one who's easily offended, which is all of us, in their mind, they believe this, that for me to be right, and we always want to be right, for me to be right, for me to be right, someone else has to be wrong. I don't want to say I don't want to go to church. I don't want to say I'm lazy. I don't want to say I want to sleep in. I don't want to say I don't work hard. I don't want to say I don't care about my friends. So it's always easier to just blame it on someone else. It's their fault. It's always their fault. Let me tell you how the danger this can be. Let me show you how this can hit home. It's not that you're not a good husband. It's not that you're not a good wife. It's always the other person's fault. It's not that I'm not patient. It's that she's nuts. She's nuts. She's crazy. She's whatever. Well, maybe it's I'm not patient. It's not that he's not loving. Maybe you say he's not loving and that's what you, he's not loving, he's not loving. Maybe I'm not giving him a chance. Maybe your kids aren't as crazy as you think they are. Maybe they're not as bad as you think. Maybe you're the control freak that we talked about last week with your kids. And it's easy to say, oh, it's their fault. It's always easier to say that someone else is wrong than to say that I am. And for me to be right, someone else has to be wrong. You know, we do this with God too. That's how dangerous this can be. We can do this with God too. Oh God, it's your fault that I'm still stuck in this place. Oh, it's your fault that I'm not further ahead. Oh, it's your fault. It's your fault that I don't go to church on Sunday because church is too early. It's your fault that I don't read my Bible because the Bible's boring. It's your fault that I don't pray because you never answer me when I pray. It's your fault. Now it's not about me. 
It's not me. I want to pray. But God didn't answer my prayer. I want to be good. But God doesn't reward the good. It's not me. For me to be right, someone else has to be wrong. I'm telling you, this can become such a part of your life. I know friendships that are based solely on one thing, and that is based on the, on the right to be offended. Thank you, Katie. Friendships, better? I know friendships that are based on this. Meaning people, like let's take the church example. People who don't want to come to church. People who don't want to come to church. And that's why you have a right not to want to come to church. That's fine. You have that right. But because we don't like to admit that, we got to blame someone else. I know people. Their entire friendship is based on I don't want to come to church. So instead of just saying I don't want to come to church, they get together and they don't come to church and they say, you know what? The church did this. Can't believe the church did that. Why do you care if you don't go to church? No, but we have to sit there and excuse our not going to church by saying the church did this. And can you believe the church did that? And it's always, again, somebody else's problem. It's the politician's problem. It's Washington, D.C.'s problem. That's why I do this. And that's why I do that. And that's why I don't pay my taxes. And that's why I cheat on my taxes because it's their fault. And it's always somebody else's fault as opposed to my own, my own fault. And we make ourselves right by we're the experts. We know how to do everything else. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm giving you a warning. I'm giving you a warning. It's okay. It's okay. I'll give you a warning. Always be careful. Okay. It's okay. Say, if someone pushes the number two on that button, it's just one of those days. Okay? A little t Anybody offended? Okay? Anybody be offended? It's just one of those days. Hit the number two and you'll be okay. Or four. Sorry, hit four. Hit four. Warning. For you who are easily offended, warning. I'm telling you this out of I love you. The more you do this, the more you blame everybody else and not take responsibility yourself, the more it becomes true. The more you blame all your friends for not being good friends, the less anyone wants to be your friend. Because no one wants to hang out with someone who's always complaining and always negative. The more that you say that it's not my fault for whatever's happening at work, the less likely your boss is to actually want to promote you up the ladder. Because no one wants to promote someone who doesn't take personal responsibility. The more you believe that it's everybody else's fault, the more this will actually happen and come true in your life. What does scripture have to say about those who are easily offended? Galatians, oops, somebody who's easily offended, okay. Galatians chapter four, verse 16. Galatians chapter four, verse 16. In this passage, St. Paul is like rebuking this, the, the Christians in Galatia, and he's telling them some of the areas that they made a mistake. He's not personal, but he's just telling them, this is the truth, this is wrong, this is right. And then he says to them, have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Like what he's trying to say is, are you listening to what I'm saying or just being offended? I told you that maybe we need to change. Ladies, maybe your mother or your mother-in-law, even better, your mother-in-law, come and tell you, you know what? Maybe you should consider this. Maybe you're not feeding your kid the most healthy food. Maybe you could consider this. Are you listening that maybe she's right? Or is it how dare she speak to me? Are we listening when someone tells us, when someone says, hey, I don't think it was a good idea that you quit your job this way. Are we listening to what I say or how dare he speak to me this way? Do we listen or are we just offended? Someone didn't invite you to their party. Are you offended? Or do you take two seconds and say, hey, wait a minute. I wonder what I may have done to make this person not want to invite me to their party. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8. I don't ever want this to be about any one of us. I'm telling you, I don't want this about me. I don't want it about you. Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, he will love you. I don't want the reputation as a scoffer. I don't want the reputation as someone that you can't tell them the truth because they go crazy and they never listen. I don't want that because I'm worse off that way. 
And you're worse off that way too. We're only hurting ourselves. So therefore, we want to be the wise men. And the wise men, we embrace the rebuke. If someone comes and tells me, hey, Father, anything, what you did is wrong, I appreciate that. I may disagree, we may go back and forth, but in the end, I appreciate when somebody correct me, I don't take offense because I want to be a better person. I, that needs to be the attitude that all of us take. I don't know what it is that offends you, but each one of us, there's something. There's a button, and if someone pushes that button, we go off. Whatever it is that you justify in your mind, maybe for you, it's a tone of voice. You don't like when someone speaks to you that way. And no matter what they said, or what they intended to mean, like no matter what, that tone of voice, that finger wag, that word, that's it, offended. Again, I know people. Didn't, she didn't respond to my text message. And, what's the problem? She didn't respond to my text message. When did you send it? An hour ago. Oh, okay. Like it's, it's an hour. Like maybe she's busy. No, she's not busy. I know what she's doing. She thinks she's too important to respond. Can't even give me like a thumbs up or a smiley face and emoji. What is it that you have justified as okay to be offended by? I want you to keep that in mind as we go forward. Because what we want to talk about today is not just how easily we are offended, but what we can do about it. I'll give you a verse that's going to kind of set the stage for what we're going to talk about the rest of the day, and I'll spend the rest of the time breaking down what I mean by this verse. This comes from Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. Solomon the Wise says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. What do I do when I feel offended? It is my glory and your glory to overlook an offense. What does overlook mean? It's overlook. Don't need to be too smart to figure this one out. Okay, it comes from two words. Look and over. So what overlook means is that here I am and there's a wall right there. Okay, and that wall is the offense. Let me do it this way so I can face you. Okay, there's a wall right here and that wall is... Actually, this way's better. Okay, there's a wall right here, and that wall is an offense. Someone did this. Someone said this. Someone looked at me the wrong way. Someone didn't respond to my text in time. Someone posted this on Facebook, and I'm so angry. There's offense. The one who's wise, it is a glory to you, the one who can go over and simply pass over it and move on smoothly in life. The one who's not wise, sit here and stare at this wall, and how dare they just wall, and I can't take this wall, and who put that right to put that wall right there, and spend a whole life complaining about this wall, and who put this here, and they didn't have it right, and how come no one asked me to submit the request, who has this wall right here? And the one who's smart, the one who's wise, say, you know what, I didn't like that wall, so I'm not going to spend the rest of my life talking about that wall, I'm going to get past that wall. Now I'm going to move through, because there's a whole other land out here. There's a whole new land out there, full of nice green and trees and fruits and all kinds of stuff, but I must be able to look over, look past that wall. I even want to think of it like an airplane. Here's the offense, the wise one, the one who will live at peace, the one who will live like in the light of God's goodness is the one who can fly safely over that wall and say, you know what? You tried to hurt me. You meant this against me, but you know what? I'm going to fly right over there. I'm going to pass by in peace. And for you to say, but I can't and I can't. Look, you know what I discovered? I'll never forget this. It was clear as day. It was back in the year 2006. I remember this very clearly. This was one of my first mission trips back to Africa, and I was in the country of Zambia. And I remember back then, I learned that offense, being offended, is a learned behavior. It's not something ingrained within us. I remember we were there, and we were in, 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 in the city called Lusaka, okay? And we were in, like, the marketplace. 
And the marketplace is kind of like a shady place. People trying to pull fast when you got to watch your pockets and all that kind of stuff. It's not the safest place to be in, okay? But it's just, it's not like, it's not dangerous, but I'm saying you just got to watch yourself. And I remember seeing some young guys, and there was a group of guys, okay, and they were all over there, and they're speaking a language I don't understand, so I don't know what they're saying. But the tone is very confrontational, okay? And everyone is kind of like talking, and people kind of in each other's face, and these are young guys. So in my mind, I'm like, stay clear of this, okay? Because I don't know what's going on, and I want our group to stay clear, because I'm thinking they're going to blows very soon, and you don't know what's going to happen. And I'm serious, like you don't know what's going to happen. And then I remember, did it in the face, and then they just walked their separate ways. That's very strange. And then I remember, next day, separate scenario, almost the exact same thing. People screaming, and people this and that, and all of a sudden, walk the separate ways. And I remember it happened like two or three times on that trip. So you know what I realized at that time? Is that we have trained ourselves. Like what I want to say is, if that was in America, man, I'm fighting words. And that's going to end in a bad way. Okay, and that's the stuff that we see on the news. That was going to end in a bad way. But over there, they hadn't, they my point is, we have trained ourselves that if someone says this, we're going to blows. Well, they had trained themselves. They had a much higher threshold for offense. And you could say this, and you could do this, and no one swung, and no one took out any weapons. And you could do this, and you could do this. And people went their separate ways. We have lowered our threshold for offense. That if someone looks at us the wrong way, if someone cuts us off in traffic, we think we have the right to go crazy. If someone doesn't respond to us in a timely manner. We have the right to go crazy. We have trained ourselves into learned behavior to be easily offended. And what we need to do is we need to go up and pass over and learn the things, how to make the things that offend us, not offend us, and pass over because it is for our glory and it is for our benefit. So how are we going to do that? We're going to look over three ways. I'm going to give you three specific action items, and they are like a progression. So we're going to start with one. If one doesn't work, we're going to do number two. Two doesn't work, we're going to go up to number three. We're going to start with the lowest common one, Okay, the one, the, the smallest band-aid, and if that works, done, story's done. If not, number two, if not, number three. All right, very simple, very practical, not teach you anything new right here, but maybe say it in a slightly different way. Number one, I'm going to give others the same benefit of the doubt I give myself. Don't just give others the benefit of the doubt. Give others the same benefit of the doubt that you give yourself. Easily offended, you know why? Because usually, we judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. That's deep stuff. We judge others by their actions, but ourselves by our intentions. It's what they did versus what I meant. They're late. Oh, how dare she? Shrewd, inconsiderate, doesn't value my time, she's late. When I'm late, I should be understanding. Busy day at work. How come you're so ununderstanding? You don't know I meant to come on time, but just because I didn't make it, it was traffic. She, or let's go he now, he, when he said that, he's rude. He's a jerk. He's mean. Me, I'm just speaking the truth. I'm a no filter kind of a guy. Intentions versus actions. They don't care. They didn't call because they don't care. I didn't call because I'm just giving space. We judge others by actions. We judge ourselves by intentions. True story. This is back a long, 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 long time ago. I one time preached a sermon. One time preached a sermon about the importance of punctuality in church. It wasn't the entire message. It wasn't like punctuality in church 101. It wasn't like that. But I spent a good chunk of it telling people 
that it's unacceptable to be late to church. Unacceptable, that there is no excuse. That was on a Sunday. Same week, I'll show you how God is good. Same week, it was a Wednesday. We had a Wednesday service, okay, that began at four o'clock p.m. Four o'clock p.m., okay, and for me, for service to begin at four o'clock, I need to be inside by at least 3.50, minimum, okay, because I, I let's weigh in, okay, 3.50 means four, okay. I had an appointment that afternoon at three. Okay, so three, lady wanna come in and talk to me, it's a lady, she wanna come in and talk to me, three o'clock, plenty of time, service at four, I need to be there at 3.50, and this is my office right outside the church. So I'm in the church, so I'm just meeting someone at three, need to be by four. But then she started talking. And she continued to talk. And talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, she did. Thank God she's done by now, but it took a while. And she was a freight train of talking, okay? You could not get a word in edgewise. And she's going and going and going, and I'm like, breathe, lady, breathe, like breathe. And she's talking and talking, and, there, and I'm looking at the clock, and it's 3.30, and it's 3.40, and it's 3.50. And I'm like sweating and stuff, and I want to say like, enough, but I can't because not, she's not talking about like her favorite color. Like she's talking about deep stuff. I have to respond. Like you talk for 45 minutes, I have to say at least a word because these are like very important issues. And she's talking and I am going crazy. 4.30 is when she leaves. Yes, exactly. And I want to pull my hair and her hair out. She skedaddles and I like sprint into the church. And as I'm walking into the church, people are sitting there waiting because they've been to this four and I made a big deal of being punctual and punctual and punctual and punctual. And you just see people look at you like, mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I don't know this to be true. I don't know, I don't know if this is my imagination, but I remember, again, this might not be true, might be my imagination. As I was walking in, I remember as I'm going in, there was like a mother and a child who just walked in the church and the child was telling the mother, mother, hurry up, we can't be late because Father Anthony said we can't be late. What was I doing? Judging others by action, myself by intention. Now, with that said, you should still come to church early on Sundays. <laughs> you should. But now I talk about what time you should aim for. Okay, now I don't do the clock anymore, but I say aim. But that's give others the same benefit of the doubt that you give to yourself. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. One time Jesus was with a group of people. And they were on top of a mountainside, and it says that when he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. That's very kind. Sheep having no shepherd. Isn't that sweet of Jesus? And then I read the story right before this. Do you know what happens right before this? These same people who are sheep without shepherd, they had called Jesus, accused Jesus of being, make, casting out demons by the ruler of demons. So they basically said he's demon possessed and not he's demon possessed, but he's the king of all the demons. They're not sheep without a shepherd. They're not in need of compassion. You see how Jesus is? It's not, no, 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 uh, Rough day, rough day, rough day. No, nah, Jesus, they said, no, 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 give me a break. No, nah, no, nah, they probably had a tough day. Can you do that? Can you, somebody late, and say, ah, probably a rough day, though. Let it go, let it go. It's not that big a deal. Someone cut you off? Say, ah, you know what, maybe, you know, like a baby is like throwing up in the back, whatever. Can you learn to do that? Can you give others the same benefit of the doubt that you give to yourself? The point here is, is that I know as hard as it is for some of us to accept, but not everything in life is about you. Not everything in life is about you. Not everything is a personal shot at you. 
Not everything is a personal offense at you. If someone's late, it doesn't mean they're disrespecting you. It just means they're late. And you're late all the time, not trying to just, it just means they're late. If someone was rude, it just means they're having a bad day. If someone cut you off, it just means that they got, like I said, a crazy person in the backseat is throwing up, whatever it may be. Not everything is about you. A wise person once said, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. So can we start to see the person who is hurting us as maybe potentially a hurt person? You know an animal, when an animal feels attacked, what does an animal do? Attacks. If an animal feels like backed in a corner, an animal attacks. So maybe that person who is attacking you at work, maybe that person who's lashing out, maybe they feel attacked. Maybe they feel alone. Maybe they feel rejected. Maybe they feel betrayed. Maybe they feel wounded. Maybe that's it. They're wounded. And because they're wounded, they tend to attack back. Can you give people the same benefit of the doubt that you give to yourself all the time? I read something nice. It said, we need to learn how to develop thick skin and a soft heart. We need to develop thick skin and a soft heart. Usually we do the opposite. We need thick skin that when you attack me, that's okay. Thick skin. I can take it. Not everything is the offense. I can take it. You criticize, okay. But then a soft heart that says, hey, what's going on? Is everything okay? Anything I can do? Like we're usually the opposite. We have thin skin and a hard heart. That you touch me, you scratch me, and that's the end. And I don't care what the reason was. We need to learn how to have thick skin and a soft heart. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Didn't mean it, rough day. Sometimes they did mean it. Sometimes they did mean it. Sometimes you give the benefit of the doubt and they were wrong. Then you go to level two. Number two, I will refuse to label people on their worst day. I'll refuse to label people on their worst day. I'll tell you another little story from back in the day, and I'm kind of holding my breath in this story because this story has to do with me and a little conflict I had with someone else who's sitting here right now. But from way back in the day, and we are way past this stuff, and we are very close friends right now, so if you're this person, don't but let me tell the story. I think it was my first year of priesthood. At most, my second year, but it was really early on. And long story short, me and this person, church finished on a Sunday, person came and found me, and this person was highly offended at something that the church had done, okay, but I was the one who was blamed for it. I was just the messenger, okay? So I, all the, got on me. And this person confronted me in public, okay, in front of a very, 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 very crowded church. And this person told me some stuff. And this person, okay, as I later found out, had a, like this person was offended and like they had a reason to be offended. Okay, so it was not like I'm right or this person's right. Like it's not a matter of that. It's a matter of it was a public situation. This person blasted me. This person laid into me. This person and in front of everyone and I'm just a rookie priest. And I don't know what I'm doing. This person, this person, this person. And then there started to be like a, you know, like it's like a train wreck. Everyone starts watching. So people start gathering. And being people are like, yeah, that's all I'm saying. And then after a while, though, people saw me. Of course, I didn't respond. Okay, I ain't stupid. It was, it was, a, it was a group of, of moms. So I, I ain't messing with angry moms who haven't eaten lunch yet. Okay, that's the one thing you don't, you don't do that. Okay, so I didn't say nothing. So after a while, people started to feel like sympathy for me because I'm like cowering. Anyway, after that moment, I didn't say anything. But in my mind, I did something. And I did the same thing that you would do. I labeled this person. So this person is possessed by Satan. That category right there. Okay. <laughs> I put in my mind this person negative category and this person did the same for me this person probably did the same thing for me fast forward the story this is back probably 2002 SCSA 
opens here. We open the new church right here. SCSA is a much smaller environment. This person shows up at the, at the church. It's easy to hide when there's 10,000 people in the church. I go on the right side, you go on the left side, we never have to actually interact. But when you're a much smaller church, it's much harder to hide. Especially when, at the beginning, we were kind of small, but I'm preaching family and family and family and family. So I made a decision. And I said, you know what? That person, I'm going to give them a chance. And I'm going to say, you know what? Maybe they're not possessed by Satan. And you know what I discovered? It's one of the best people in this church. I'm very close friends with them and the family. Great supporters of mine. And I discovered this person, one of the best people, honestly, who's sitting here in this room right now. I think they had too much caffeine that day, okay? <laughs> but they're not an evil person. And I'm telling you, the reason why me and this person are friends today is because I had a bad day, that person had a bad day. I did something maybe I shouldn't have done, that person did something maybe they should have done. But we made a decision, not discussing, but an internal decision. You know what? I will not label a person on their worst day because we all have bad days. We all have bad days, and I will choose not to write a label on you of your bad day, and I will choose to give you a chance to write a different label. God says it this way in Psalm 103, verse 10. So King David speaks about God. He says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Now, that does not mean that God will not judge us. And that does not mean that we will not be accountable for our sins. It's not what that means. Don't take it that way. You're totally misinterpreting. It. But what it means is, is that when God looks at us, he doesn't identify us by our sins alone. There's mercy. There's grace. There's a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. God doesn't say, you, you lied in second grade. So everyone, say hello to the liar over here who lied in second grade. God doesn't say, anyone had a bad thought, you in the back over there. That's the adulterer over there who had that impure thought. And I said, impure thought is adultery. Adulterer, put a big A on top of him. God doesn't do that. And we thank God that he doesn't do that. God doesn't call us thieves when we steal pencils from the office supply closet. God doesn't label us on our worst days. I'm thankful for it, and I hope you're thankful for it as well. And the way that you show that thankfulness is you do the same for others. So that friend, in the beginning, was benefit of the doubt. Maybe they didn't mean it. I found out later, no, they meant it. But you know what? There was one day that friend showed me they didn't care, but there are a thousand other times they showed me that they did care. I will not label them by the one day where they didn't. I will label them by the 1,000 that they did. Your coworker had a rough day. And I will not label my coworker and say, I cannot work with that lady based on her one bad day. I will choose not to label a person on a bad day. My children are not disrespectful, maybe just a rough day. Everyone in church is not a hypocrite because one guy was a hypocrite. And even that one guy who was a hypocrite is not an eternal hypocrite. He was a hypocrite that one day, yes. But I will not label people on their worst day because I don't want to be labeled on my worst day. And neither should we label other people that way as well. So number one, we give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they didn't mean it. Number two, I found out, no, they meant it. So you know what? Okay, they had a bad day. That was their thing, and they hurt me, but I'm not going to label them as that for the rest of their life. Number three, let's say, you know what? It is more than one day. It is a pattern. They are hurtful, and they mean to hurt you. And you know I'm going to do number three? I got nowhere to go, but I got to get over this wall somehow. I'm going to forgive as I've been forgiven. I'm going to forgive as I've been forgiven. I, I got nowhere to go. See, the thing is, I don't want to forgive that person. But I want to get past this wall. So in the end, I'm going to try benefit of the doubt. Didn't knock the wall down, or didn't get me over the wall. 
And then I'm going to try not label, and that didn't get me over the wall. So you know what? I don't want to stay on this side of the wall. So I'm going to jump over it by forgiving the way I've been forgiven. Now you say, okay, I can forgive someone for a rude comment. No problem. Forgive someone who didn't call me on my birthday. Okay. Forgive the person. Like, okay, I can do those things. But Father Anthony, you're not talking about forgiving someone who's like really hurt me. You're not talking about someone who's like lied to me and betrayed me and stabbed me in the back. You're not talking about someone who's like um, uh, 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 abused me. You're not talking about someone who has stolen from me. You're not talking about someone, you're not talking about like that, are you? I can't think of another way to get past that wall. St. Paul says this in Colossians 3.13. He says, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. See, in this one verse, St. Paul captures all three of them. He says, bearing with one another. Give the benefit of the doubt. It's okay, it's okay. Just put up with him. It's okay, it's okay. Benefit of the doubt. He meant his best. He's rude. Like, whatever it may be, okay. Yeah, if I had his wife, I'd be crazy. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Okay, so he did this. Don't label him that day. It's okay. Let it go. Let it go. That's okay. Like I said, you know what I mean? But in the end, if there's still that wall right there, I forgive as I've been forgiven. Now, forgiveness is a big topic, and I don't want to get into it. It's a big topic that needs a lot of prayer, needs a lot of discussion, and needs a lot of really soul-searching. And I'll be more than happy if anyone who's struggling with this forgiveness thing, my door is always open. I'm happy to share this with you because there's no more important topic if you struggle with forgiveness than this topic. Because if you struggle with this, you will always have a barrier in life that you will never, you will never get past the ceiling without forgiveness. You will never reach your full potential. You will never be able to love your spouse. You'll never be able to love your children. You'll never be able to truly pray if you can't get past this forgiveness thing. I promise you, not our topic for today, but I'm more than happy to get into it. But here's what our topic is for today. I want you to know that not forgiving, you are hurting yourself more than you're hurting the other person. You are hurting yourself more than you're hurting the other person. You are hurting yourself more than you realized. Why? Because this wall stinks. This wall, life over here is good. There's so many beautiful things to discover in life. Depth in relationships cannot be discovered on this side of the wall. Be able to communicate with God freely and openly and to love his children the way he commands me to cannot as long as this wall is right here. The ability to rejoice with those who rejoice. The ability to love my neighbor, like the ability to do so many things. I can't do it as long as I'm on this side of the wall. So for me, it's not about forgiving the other person. It's about open, letting go of this wall, so opening myself up to a whole new world. That's why we forgive. We don't forgive for the sake of the other person. We forgive because we deserve it, not because they deserve it. This past week, true story. This past week, I saw somebody who I hadn't seen for probably 10 years. And this person, okay, he's an older gentleman, but his kid, like I knew his kid from back in the day, like I was like his kid's Sunday school teacher probably like in seventh grade or eighth grade or something. It's probably 10 years ago, something like that. And at one point in time, things happened. I don't remember what exactly it was. Like I wasn't necessarily part of it, but I kind of heard about it. And the kid left the church and the whole family kind of left the church, but the dad kind of stayed, but he just kind of stayed bitterly. And the kid left. The kid hadn't come back to church since then. So I asked the father when I saw him, I said, how is so-and-so doing? And he said, oh, no, and he doesn't go to church. And can you believe what they did to him back then and then? I said, you know, yeah, I'm sorry, but like, what is he doing now? He's like, well, you know, he's not going to get past that. And he's, and I'm like, okay, like if I can help in any way, 
like if I'm happy to reach out to him. Like, I haven't talked to the kid for years. I'm happy to. And he said, no, 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 no. And he kept going back to what happened. What happened? What happened? And he actually said these words. He said, you know what? He's never going to go back to church, and his blood is going to be on that person who did this. I was like, I'm trying to help you solve the problem. Like, you, 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 you don't want to solve the problem. You just want to complain about the problem. Like, I agree there's a problem. But I'm telling you, help, let me help you solve the problem. Let's get past the wall. He don't want to get past the wall. He wants to complain about who put the wall there. He wants to say it's your fault that the wall is here. And this wall is not going down, and you are going to pay for it. Did I say? Did I say something? <laughs> something on my face? Okay. <laughs> Let's just keep moving, keep moving, keep moving, keep moving. Aha! 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 I'm Super Bowl, y'all are politics, okay? I'm Super Bowl. I'm Super Bowl, y'all are politics. Look at me, innocent, pure. But I give you the benefit of the doubt. I don't label y'all, okay? I give you the benefit of the doubt. That is no way. That is no way. If you ever think to yourself, I wonder if Father Anthony meant. Okay, because what you see is what you get here, okay? The little hamster in there, like he's analog, analog is in there, okay? You, Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. For if you forgive men, this is why you need to forgive. It's not about the other person. If you forgive men that trespass, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men that trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I can't get around this verse. I can't get around it. I can't get around the fact that when I don't forgive, I only hurt myself. I hurt myself in an earthly way. I hurt myself in a spiritual way. And I'm the prime loser when I choose to forgive or when I choose to not forgive. As a priest, okay, believe me, I don't want you to think that I'm just preaching stuff right here. As a priest, I know what it's like to be offended. Anytime you stand up here, anytime you do this thing, you are setting yourself up for people to criticize you. And I totally get that. And I'd be lying if I say it didn't bother me sometimes. I, 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 but what I'm saying is I understand that the majority of the time when people criticize me, I'm not saying I don't have any responsibility, but I'm saying nine out of ten times. Let's say not me. Criticize the church. Okay, when people criticize the church, it's not the church. It's not the church. It's, I need to project my blame onto somebody else. So here's what I do when I say, when I feel someone is bad-mouthing me or taking shots at me or twisting something that I said, if I, here's what I do. For one, I get benefit of the doubt. I say, you know what? Tough situation. Tough upbringing. Way they were raised different than the way I was raised. Circumstances different. Like, benefit of the doubt. And then number two, you discover, you know what? No, they meant this. And they intentionally, and say, you know what? Okay, but they have so much good. And then, yes, there is this negative, but there's so much good. So I'm not going to, I'm choosing not to remember only the bad. Yes, there's this bad, and yes, this was wrong, and yes, this was sin, and yes, this was rude, this was like whatever it may be, but there's also this good. So I'm going to choose to hold on to this and not write a label, a permanent label on this person on their worst day. Then you know what? When that doesn't work and that doesn't work, you know what? I say, you know what? I need to forgive as Christ forgave me because I got too much at stake here. I don't know about you, but I got too much at stake. I see that verse, and I say, I cannot risk. I cannot risk. Get up there on that last day, and I say, God, please forgive me. God say no, because you didn't forgive your neighbor. I can't take that risk. You may be a better person than me, but I got too much on my list to take that. I got too much at stake. I want to, like I said, you don't realize that the forgiveness is what it's holding you back from. I want to be free to serve 
with the fullness of my heart. I want to be free to give myself to people, and I can't do that if I'm holding on to bitterness. I want to be free to love my wife and love my children and give myself for them, and I can't do that if I'm holding on to unforgiveness. I want to be able to pray. I want to be able to stand in front of God and say, forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. I want to say that with a clear mind, and I can't do that if I'm holding on to bitterness. So I don't know about you, but me, I can't afford not to give. I got too much at stake to get this wrong. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. St. Paul says, let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger, all clamor, all evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here's that phrase that we just saw from earlier. Even as God in Christ forgave you. If you'll notice, the solution to the easily offended, everything that I said, was spin it back to yourself. Give others the same benefit of the doubt that you give to yourself. Don't label others on their worst day, just like you don't want to be labeled on your worst day. And forgive others the same way you want to be forgiven by Christ. How many of us, how many of us are stuck in life, are stuck, and the reason why we're stuck is because of this easily offended insecurity? Is because instead of trying to climb out of the pit, we're standing in the bottom of the pit trying to figure out whose fault is it that we're in here. As opposed to put one hand in front of the other and start to pick ourselves up and say, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. We need to get out of here for our own sake. Maybe, maybe the Bible gives good advice here when it talks about this forgiveness. Last thing I'll say. Earlier I said hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. But you know what's also true? Forgiven people, forgive people. Not labeled on their worst day people, don't label people on their worst day. Benefit of the doubt people, give benefit of the doubt to other people. Look at what you have been given and look at what you want to be given and go and do the same for others. We are forgiven, so we forgive. We are given benefit of the doubt, so we give benefit of that. We are not labeled on our worst day, so we don't label others on their worst day. And through that, We'll be able to stand in front of our Heavenly Father and say, when he tells us to, to, to forgive one another as Christ and God forgave us, we'll be able to say, forgive us, Lord, for our myriad of trespasses as you, Lord, as we forgive others who trespass against us. That's the goal of everything we're talking about. Let's stand together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you from the depth of our heart. Thank you, Lord the kindness and grace and mercy that you've shown us in your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that you don't label us on our worst day and that you give us chance after chance. No matter what we do, we come to you and repent and you wash us and make us whiter than snow and make us completely new. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to get past our own insecurities and our own weaknesses and our own taking offense at anything that anyone does. Give us, Lord, to be secure in what you've done for us and to extend the same grace to others that you have given to us. We ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. The prayers of all your saints hear us as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.